Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travel. And good afternoon to you. Welcome to Travels with Charlie, the final show of 2023. We'll be back with you on January 8th, 2024. Man, the time just flies. It seems like just thinking about Y2K. Man, that was a long time ago, and we're still here. Everything's good. So thank you for joining me this afternoon. Great show lined up for you. Quick shout-out, of course, uh, to all the sponsors of Travels with Charlie. This show would not happen without their support, and I do thank them very, very much. Of course, my friends at Casella Waste Systems, Casella.com, Zero Sort Recycling, helping to keep those things out of the landfill that shouldn't be there. Jolly convenience stores, when you're on the road, this is where I stop. You should stop there, too. Hot coffee, delicious sandwiches and snacks. Of course, a fuel for your car as well as your belly and home of the Daily Smile. And if you're doing some traveling, Milne Travel, MilneTravel.com. They've been doing it since 1975. They take all the guesswork out of you, out of it. Uh, they get the lowest airfares via the databases exclusive to the travel industry. And if you're looking for a spot, to, you know, especially with the holidays coming up and you're doing brunches and things like that, get your bagels from Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington. They are on, they're the best. I mean, I've loved them for years. They've won awards from seven days, best bagels in the area. They are. They're wood fired. They're honey dipped uh, in, well, they're boiled in honey water, hand rolled. They do their own smoked meats there. They are wood fired. That's the real deal at Myers Bagels. 408 Shelburne Road, that's the new location, 408 Shelburne Road, and they now call it Myers Wood Fired because they're going to be offering up some other items from that oven shortly. So, as they say, stay tuned for that. Great show lined up for you today. Again, thanks for joining me here. We're going to be talking with Leslie Wright. She's the Director of Marketing and Communications at Shelburne Museum. We're going to be talking about the Winter Lights exhibit. For those of you that have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that haven't, we're going to give you an opportunity to see it because we've got some tickets to give away. Jeff Weld will be with me today with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight talking about their their new diesel technician training program. So another opportunity for free schooling from Casella, Casella.com. My first guest this afternoon, he's been on with me before, and I've actually done a TV show with uh, with Mr. Ben Kinsley. He's uh, a member of the board of Campaign for Vermont, and he joins me today with details on the poll that they had just commissioned with public opinion of a lot of things on Vermonters' mind. Ben, good afternoon, and welcome to Travels with Charlie. Good to talk with you again. Hey, Charlie. Good to talk with you. Glad to be on. So, Ben, first, for, for people that aren't familiar with Campaign for Vermont, in a nutshell, could you kind of explain what Campaign for Vermont is and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we're a statewide nonprofit uh, focused on uh, growing uh, the middle class and advocating for issues that impact the middle class. 
And you recently commissioned this poll, and I'd like to, we're going to talk about some of those numbers, and some numbers haven't been revealed yet. Some just came out as uh, late as yesterday. So we'll try to get into all of that. And as I've talked with you, and uh, we'll say this, that we'll probably have you on again coming up in January, because there's a lot of things to talk about. And of course, with the, the legislature, uh, you know, they'll be in session in January. So a lot of this, I think, is going to affect uh, what's going on in Montpelier. So let's get Get right into it. And first, um, how many people were polled and, you know, how do you guarantee a good cross-section? It's not just one area. It's all of Vermont. So how did that go about? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a 400-person poll. Uh, it was done by a third party, um, you know, a professional group of people that does this sort of thing. Um, and they made sure that we had uh, geographic distribution. They asked the right sort of screening questions. Uh, to make sure you also got uh, uh, accurate representation of um, the demographics in Vermont and all that sort of stuff. So all important things when you're looking at polling data. And, uh, yeah, of course, uh, as you know, you go into certain parts of, of the state and you're going to get uh, different answers. Uh, some of the things that came out in that first uh, release of, of numbers uh, – is, is about the governor and the job that he's doing. And I don't think there's any surprise here, and I'll get you to comment on it, but 64% said that the governor is doing a good job representing the issues that they care about. So can you get it a little bit to deeper into those numbers, uh, Ben? Yeah, and, and the reason we asked this question a little bit differently than um, – you know, the way that this question is typically asked, usually it's uh, something along the lines of, you know, do you approve or disapprove of the job that so-and-so is doing? Um, and in our case, we actually, we were more curious about um, some of the policy differences between uh, the legislature and the governor. So we phrased the question specifically asking about, um, you know, do you approve of the job that the governor and the legislature are doing to advance the issues that you care about? Um, so we phrased it a little differently than, than what we normally see. Some of the results for the governor are, are typical of what a lot of the just general job approval ratings that we've seen from him. So, you know, mid-60s um, and then, you know, something in the range of uh, 25 to 30 uh, percent disapproving. Um but those are pretty popular numbers for, for any governor, and particularly for a governor in a state where 53% of respondents uh, thought the state was on the wrong track. Mm. Um, normally, when you see numbers that high, uh, they, you tend to, uh, to blame the chief executive <laughs> for that, uh, for the track the state is on. But we're really not seeing that here, in, at least in the results that we're uh, getting we're seeing uh, respondents uh, and Vermonters placing that blame seemingly mostly on the legislature yeah. with a 53% disapproval rating uh, for them. So yeah. that that's kind of an interesting result that we saw. Uh, now, did you ask the respondents, Ben, if they were uh, – did they identify as Republican, uh, Democrat, Independent, Progressive? Uh, was that asked of them? It was, yeah, and to make sure that, um, you know, this – uh, we weren't getting a sampling that was weighted one way or the other. You know, and what we saw was a pretty typical uh, response pattern, um, you know, where uh, the majority of respondents are actually independents. That's pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at 44 percent, 35 percent identified as Democrat um, and 20 percent uh, identified as Republican. We also asked about voting patterns. And, you know, again, like a lot of independents tend to vote 
uh, with Democrats, even though they don't necessarily consider themselves a Democrat. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we saw that as well, like voting behavior, almost 50 percent, a little over 50 percent of respondents said that they consistently voted um, for Democratic candidates, even though they may they themselves may not sure. identify as such. Ben Kinsley, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. He's with the Campaign for Vermont. We're talking about some of the latest poll numbers that are out. Uh, if you have a question or a comment, you'd love to join us. We'd love to hear from you. 244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. So, Ben, you mentioned that uh, 64% of the governor doing a good job. The legislature, not so good. 40% approved of the job that they're doing. But... And this is the interesting thing because I've, you know, been around these polls for a long time. You look at them and you go, well, they're going to clean house the next election. And they don't. Uh, they get reelected. So what's, what's going on here? Do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think there's some degree of this is a little bit of what we see at the um, federal level, you know, where, where disapproval ratings of Congress as a whole are very high. But then you ask people about their individual congressperson and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, it's not my guy that's the problem. It's everybody right. else. Yeah. Right. So I think there's probably a level of that happening here. I think there's also a level of um, there's a lot of incumbents in Vermont and incumbents tend not to get challenged very often. So um, some of those folks, uh, there may just be a lack of legitimate uh, challengers, either in primary or general elections. Um, And so as you know, the opinions of Vermonters have changed over time. Um, Some of the uh, opinions of the folks sitting in the seats may not have changed with them. And that's something that I've learned a long time ago in looking at poll numbers is that when you ask a number, uh, you know, a, a favorability rating on a group of people, they're more likely to be more critical. But when you're doing it individually, as you just pointed out, it's like, no, my guy's doing a great job. So I don't know if it's, a, you know, some afraid to say something about an individual, uh, you know, less likely to when you're talking about a group, it's like, oh, yeah, they're doing a terrible job, but not my guy. Not my guy. Yeah, exactly. I think there's some of that, which is why it was important to us to to ask a number of questions about specific issues um, as well and see uh, and specifically issues where they're either important to the state core government functions or, um, you know, issues that the governor and the legislature have disagreed over um, to kind of try to dive into that a little bit more and see, is this just kind of a, a high level, you know, got reaction or is there something more here yeah you mentioned that uh, you know governor scott is equally popular among republicans democrats and independents but would you also agree that there's a group of really you know strong conservative right-leaning republicans that do not like him at all they continually hear him referred to as a rhino republican in name only yeah yeah, and we definitely see that in the numbers. Um, you know, uh, Democrats and independents seem to be uh, pretty on par, uh, you know, at 28 percent to 30 percent disapproval rating um, and two thirds uh, uh, approval. And we actually see this, the, the group that is um, has the highest disapproval rating in terms of political affiliation is Republicans actually <laughs> disagree with the governor seemingly yeah. more often than anybody else does, uh, which is interesting. Um, but again, this is one of those interesting things we were talking about with our pollsters is that 
um, you almost never or really never see a governor win all three uh, um, politically affiliated groups, yeah. Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. That just never happened and, and win them with very similar numbers, a two-thirds support in each of those groups. I think he has the highest uh, support numbers in the entire country, does he not, of all governors? There's certainly polling that says that. Yeah. 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 Uh, ben Kinsley, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. More questions about this latest poll that uh, we're talking about. And Ben, where can people go to see this poll if they'd like to check it out? Yeah, you can see all three uh, batches of results that we've released at campaignforvermont.org forward slash news. All right. Very good. We'll be right back after this on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millnetravel.com. Back with you, Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. We're talking with Ben Kinsley from Campaign for Vermont. Latest poll numbers just released and talking about uh, what Vermonters feel about many, many things. Again, thank you for joining me today, Ben. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So, Ben, I want to ask you, uh, Vermont Democratic Party Chair Jim Dandeno says the poll doesn't hold water. He says he's spoken to thousands of Vermonters and is skeptical that 66 percent closely pay attention to politics. Um, your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Do we have enough time to get that. into it. <laughs> Yeah, I think what Jim is getting at there is that uh, he doesn't think that Vermonters are uh, being honest when they say they're following politics closely. Um, I think uh, I think that my my take on it is that um, people think they're following uh, closer than perhaps they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think what we saw in the results, we did ask folks um, like how how closely do you follow politics? Um, in the state. And uh, I think there's a, what we see is there's a real desire to follow um, what's going on and uh, whether or not folks can actually execute on that is, is a sort of a different question. Um, but only 23% of people were kind of indifferent or um, weren't interested in, in keeping tabs on what's going on politically in the state. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of a relative question. Uh, I think everybody pays attention uh, to politics and what's going on. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's who you hang around with. I mean, you know, I think, you know, people like you and I, I mean, uh, you know, even your dog is speaking up on it. It, it uh, yeah, It's right. I mean, who doesn't uh, think about it? But, yeah, well, you know, that's that's his opinion. That's fine. Uh, certainly with a, a Democratic supermajority that has ignored the governor's main priorities over the last uh, years here. It's how hopeful are you that anything is going to get accomplished this next session, Ben? I'm asking you personally. You know, yeah, me personally. Um, I think I think that what we have here is a situation where um, where the governor won the last election with an overwhelming majority. He feels like he has a mandate, and the same thing happened in uh, the legislature. They they won a historic number of seats. 
Um, there's a variety of reasons why that may be the case. Uh, they took took back a supermajority um, in the legislature, which gives them the ability to override the governor. So they also felt like they had a mandate. And what happens when you have these two sides that are, you know, kind of entrenched in such a way, uh, not very many productive things get done. And I think that's what we saw in the last legislative session. There wasn't a whole lot of willingness um, to work, uh, you know, on pro- on shared policy goals between the legislature and the administration. Yeah. Well, election so election hope- year coming up, that's uh, certainly going to play out differently, I, I, would, I would hope, and we shall see. Dave from Orange joining us on the WDEV phone line at 1-877-291-8255. Dave, your, uh, your thoughts on what's going on today with, uh, with Ben Kinsley? Well, I just wanted to uh, – I'll just explain. I'm Ukrainian. I've lived up first born in this country. I've lived here. Uh, in Vermont since 74, and uh, I've been through the court system in five different states for pot. Uh, and anyway, um, um, the big problem, I hear people screaming all over, and you guys should be screaming about it. What is this business of somebody goes into Burlington Police Station, starts a fire in the hallway, and the judge just lets him go walk out in the street? And, and then he goes mm-hmm. to Williamstown and, and, um, and breaks in someone's house. Now, you have to understand, I married, you know who Archie Bunker is? Yeah. We had this miserable, horrible Irish cop in my neighborhood called Archie Bunker. He was 6'5". Everybody's scared of him. <laughs> He's my father-in-law. I married Archie Bunker's daughter. <laughs> now, we sit we talk about stuff. And, um, <laughs> and I'll tell you, he was the commander of the story in the South Pacific. But I'll, I'll tell you something. A lot of older people, thank God we can carry guns. But what is wrong with these judges? And what is wrong with well, these Well, Dave, people? let's let... Uh, You've you've posed a question there. I'm going to ask that to Ben. I don't know if that's anything that that came up in uh, the polls that uh, will be released shortly, and that's about uh, uh, you know safety uh, in in the communities. Absolutely, and you know as a as a Burlington resident, I think uh, I'm feeling this myself. Um, you know, areas of uh, of town that have been safe for decades are no longer feel safe. Um, and uh, so, and we're feeling that, and and that's also being felt by a lot of Vermonters. One of the things that really surprised me, looking at the results, is we we asked um, people what their most important issue was, and we asked in two different ways. What do you think the most important issue for the state as a whole, and then what's most important for your family? And depending on which way we asked the question, crime, safety, and drugs was either number one or number two. Um, so very high, very highly rated. These are things that are top of mind for people, and that was somewhat surprising to us. Yeah, they mentioned uh, housing, uh, the cost of living, and and public safety as top issues. Um, you also said, Ben, in, in looking at these numbers, that there were some illuminating stories there. Uh, can you explain that further? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that was really illuminating, especially in the first batch, first couple batches of results that we released, is that, you know, some of the core government functions um, that we look to state government for, things like housing, um, the, you know, infrastructure, our state infrastructure, uh, the economy, um, and public education even, all had highly negative views. Like, virtually everyone had... Um, you know, a negative view of the availability of housing. And some of these other things were, like, surprisingly negative. These are core government fun- functions that people are basically saying the state is failing on a number of these issues. 
Um, and that's something we should take note of. And we hear that all the time about affordable housing. And how often have we said, well, we need to do things with, with Act 250, the permitting process. This is one of the things that's driving the cost up. And yet legislature uh, heads into session and, and nothing's do- done about that. And I think there's going to be a real, um, eye opener coming up shortly when school budgets go out and the state, in the state sets their, um, rate for a property taxes with the education fund and education in your poll only had a 34% positive rating. Can you break that down a little bit for us, Ben? Yeah. So, you know, um, 34% in terms of the quality of education being provided by Vermont's public schools, um, only, uh, only 34% thought it was good or excellent. Um, 57% thought it was fair or poor. Um, that's surprising to me. Obviously, we haven't tracked that specific question, um, you know, over a number of years. But to me, it feels like that's a declining number yeah. um, where, you know, historically, Vermont's been very proud and supportive of our public education system. And one of the most interesting things to me is that those negatives were actually higher among families with children, which um, suggests that, they might know something the general public doesn't. Yeah. Um, well, they're paying so a little I closer think. attention to it, obviously, because they have uh, kids yeah. in the school system. You know, I haven't had children in the school system for quite some time. I now have a granddaughter in the school system, and I'll tell you, I'm starting to take a look into what's happening in there, and you know, some of the things uh, I think they need, they do need some work. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that way, and you have this uh, collision of skyrocketing property taxes. We all saw the headlines about that. Yeah. Um, and this perception that our quality of education is declining. Um, and those things are going to collide at a certain point, and it's going to be painful, uh, particularly for folks serving on school boards who are trying to get uh, budgets approved. we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, ben Kinsley from Campaign for Vermont, the third round of numbers that came out on this latest poll, talked about Climate change, uh, that's a, a, a big topic. And as I mentioned, we're going to have you back on sometime in January to delve further into all of these numbers and then as more of the numbers come out. But uh, interesting, you, you asked questions like uh, how much of a surcharge are you willing to pay, uh, you know, willing to increase taxes like a carbon tax and you know, kind of a resounding no on all of those. Am I correct? Yeah, I think it's important to distinguish that Vermonters are generally pretty supportive of uh, of doing the right thing for our environment. Um, the you know the big number here is two thirds of folks are are in favor of the uh, Paris Climate Accord target of carbon neutral by 2050. It's a pretty aggressive target, but there's pretty broad support for it. Um, conversely, as soon as you start asking, okay, well, how much are you willing to pay in increased taxes and fees to support? reaching that target, people fall off pretty quickly um, and are very unsupportive of certain specific policies like carbon taxes or fees on on things like heating fuels and transportation fuels. So, um, you know, I think I think that one of the things we also saw in here that was very interesting um, was that when asked whether the state should be investing more heavily in carbon reduction or in resiliency programs to to mitigate the impacts of climate change like flooding and things like that people over like overwhelmingly said we should be focusing on those infrastructure investments to 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 mitigate the impacts of climate change 
Ben Kinsley, Campaign for Vermont, campaignforvermont.org. If you want to check out uh, some of the numbers that we've been talking about and more, you've got another round of numbers coming out shortly. Can you give us a little hint, Ben, about uh, some of the questions that you're going to be asking? Absolutely, yeah. So we uh, we asked about a couple of the other issues that the legislature and the governor have disagreed on, things like the new payroll tax for child care, um, uh, as well as a couple other items. And, um, you know, I think uh, the general consensus of what we're seeing, the questions we asked about, um, more often than not, uh, the uh, Vermonters' public opinions are, are landing more often on the side of the governor than the legislature. Mm. Um, and so, you know, those those popularity numbers do seem to have some weight behind them in terms of actual policy priorities. Well, let's hope the members of the legislature are paying attention to these numbers and they pay attention to it when they head back to Montpelier. And Ben, we'll have you on again in January. We'll talk about all of these numbers and more. And I look forward to that. And I thank you for joining me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. All right. Stay tuned. Coming up next, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Steve Cormier in the WDEV Newsroom. Uh, joining us right now is the town manager for the town of Waterbury, Tom Letts. And, Tom, I hope I got your last name right. But uh, I understand you have an update for us for the town of Waterbury this morning or this afternoon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I just want to let people know that we have closed the river road, the road to the ice center. And we are quite close to closing uh, Armory, the bridge and Armory Drive. Um, and there's a, there's a number of other roads that close, but we're obviously not closing them until they need to be. I also want to let people know that um, we typically have a winter parking ban, um, but we're urging people to go ahead and move their vehicles to higher ground. So we're not going to enforce our parking ban tonight. Tom, are you monitoring any other uh, possible flooding situations in uh, Waterbury right now? I know Randall Street typically gets flooded and stuff like this, or maybe behind the state complex. Where are we with that right now? Right now, we're about five feet lower than what we hit during the summer. Um, so we have a little bit of a little bit of room before there's some serious flooding on Randall, but we're obviously monitoring it and concerned about it. Uh, there's also an awful lot of flooding along the road um, on Gupto Road. Um, about as much as we saw this summer. So we're not seeing houses impacted yet. But, again, a lot of folks are really close. Uh, so we're uh, we're monitoring all that as best we can. We'd heard earlier that Guptill Road was flooded and closed. Is that true or not? Uh, no, Guptill Road is open. Okay. And so is the park and ride, by the way. We had had a report about that <laughs> earlier. But the park and ride is open. But it is. The water around it is very, very high. But uh, I understand you're asking or someone is asking people to move their cars out of that park and ride. Yes. Um, we got a report that there were a few cars in the parking right that were close to flooding. We went down there, and they were really close to having water in the cars. So we got in contact with our tow service. Um, and we just move those vehicles back. We're not going to charge the owners the town will just pay that small bill. Uh, so we'd like people not to use it um, just because it is right on the brook. And um, if we go another foot of height on Guptill, um, sorry, on Thatcher Brook, uh, that's going to be an issue with the parking ride. So we'd really prefer people not to use it to move their vehicles. All right. Thank you, Tom. appreciate your time this afternoon. I'm sure you'll be in touch with us if anything changes. Thank you. All right, it's Steve Cormier once again in the uh, WDEV newsroom. I do want to pass along the town of Johnson is actively out monitoring the rivers and flood conditions in Johnson. The National Weather Service has just upgraded Johnson's 
flood risks significantly. They now predict a Lamoille River peak of 15.1 feet, which is above the 13-foot uh, level. We'd heard earlier that uh, possible flooding around the uh, wrong way bridge or some other uh, passing uh, news that we want to pass along to you as far as uh, road closures. Town of Craftsbury, Hatchbrook Road is uh, closed uh, from the intersection of Wild Branch Road to Demert Road. That is, once again, in uh, Craftsbury. Uh, a couple other places to uh, uh, focus on here. Uh, as uh, Tom mentioned, the road to the ice center is uh, closed. Also, Route 100B, Moortown from Stevensbrook Road to Fireman or Freeman Hill Road is closed to all traffic due to flooding. So that means uh, between Moortown and the interstate, really no way to get there. You're going to have to try to, way, try to find a way to go around. That's just some of the stuff. We're updating all of this on our Facebook page, by the way. So WDEV is the place to go if you want to stay updated with everything that is going on with this flooding. More Travels with Charlie comes Coming up next. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Good afternoon. Travels with Charlie. Welcome back. Quick reminder, stay tuned to WDEV throughout the day for closings and updated uh, road conditions as we just uh, updated that. And as always, you can just check uh, the WDEV Facebook page for more information. Welcome back. And it's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Jeff Weld, Director of Communications, joins me this afternoon. Jeff, good afternoon, and thanks for joining me today. Hopefully you're staying dry wherever you are. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Uh, love to say that it's looking a lot like Christmas, but not so much. Not so much. No, not much snow at all, just lots of rain. But we do have some good news, of course, with uh, this just-introduced Diesel Mechanic School, along with your very successful CDL classes. When did this start? And tell us more about it, uh, Jeff. Yeah, I think uh, we're all really, really excited about this new diesel technician training program that we've launched. Um, so three years ago, we set out on a path to really ramp up the next phase of training and getting people into debt-free career paths. Um, and, and solve some of the issues that we were seeing um, from a workforce standpoint uh, throughout the region. And so we established our CDL training, and really what we saw was we broke down a lot of barriers to entry. It's about a $5,000 cost for somebody to go out and get a commercial driver's license. And for a lot of people looking to make a career change or get into an industry that um, can put them on that career path, that's a that's a challenge. Yeah. And so we, we broke down that barrier and, and – you know, in three short years, we put 200 candidates through that school, 100% pass rate, and, you know, almost 98% of them are, are still with the company today. So on the heels of that, um, we decided let's let's build out the next phase, and that's this new diesel technician program. And we put our first class through um, a, a brake certification training uh, just last month, 
uh, had eight students go through that training up in Williston, and and really it's it's kicked off, you know, and, and people are interested. We're getting calls from uh, high school tech programs, um, you know, workforce development organizations, how they can get people in touch, and it's really. It's really an exciting program in, well, in a lot of different ways. And it's really a great opportunity, Jeff, for, you know, high school grads, uh, you know, if specifically if you want to get into this field and it's something that uh, it's, well, it's a, it's not going to cost you anything. I mean, that's the great thing about it. Yeah, I think uh, what we're seeing, what a lot of people are seeing, right, is that as, as this um, kind of workforce, this real blue-collar uh, important to make the economy move. Um, a lot of those folks have, have been with the same company for many years. We see it 25, 30 years, and they're starting to get to retirement age. And, and what we may be done as a society is not really push that as an opportunity and introduced young people as, hey, this is a great opportunity. A lot of our uh, managers came straight from high school, drove, were a mechanic. Um, and this is a great opportunity for a high school student to think about all right, what am I going to do the next 20, 30 years of my life? Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be I'm going to be behind the wheel or I'm going to be under the truck or I'm going to be in the engine compartment. This is a, this is a great opportunity to get in a great industry um, that's really sort of protected and insulated from economic downturns. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we've, well, seen, we've seen some really – Really exciting career paths come it, through. It's a job that's going to always be in high demand. I don't think we have to worry about AI, artificial intelligence uh, taking over here. Um, where are the classes being held, Jeff? Is it uh, just in one particular area or throughout the state? Yeah, so currently what we're seeing is um, these programs, they're they're part of our apprenticeship program. So what, what happens is you, you get hired as a, a mechanic apprentice. And then we deliver the curriculum right on site, wherever that, that group, that cohort might be. Oh, I see. Eventually, this will turn into sort of a companion program down here in our West Rutland training facility. Um, but right now, like our, our most recent one was up in Williston. We'll be in Maine. Uh, we'll be out in uh, New York uh, for, for a couple of these. It's all about driving where the volume is, and then ultimately um, we'll be bringing people into um, – into Rutland to take the training. The other nice thing about it, Charlie, is that, you know, I think a lot of people that we see that come into these programs are like, oh, no, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in going to more school. I don't want to do more school. I don't want to do more training. I don't have the time commitment. I want to get out and, and earn money. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. You get hired. You're a part of the workforce. We're paying you. It's a two-week commitment every other month. So 12 total weeks over the course of the year. Oh, nice. And we put you through brakes, AC, hand tools, power tools, maintenance. And then also you have an opportunity to get your CDL as well as part of this program. So, you know, it's really a, it's really a great program. And, and all kudos go to um, guys like Bill Batty and, and Drew down in, uh, down in our HR department that put these things together and really, you know, meet the people where they want um this stuff to be yeah. so Fan- fantastic really program. program and if you'd like to find out more information just go to casella.com and you can find out more information about the the diesel technician program as well as the cdl program they recently had more than 200 graduates for that program find out more information again at casella.com jeff weld uh, merry christmas to you and to everyone at casella we always uh, thank you for your support and uh, 
and uh, and a happy new year. We'll talk to you in the new year, Jeff. Sounds good, Charlie. Same to you. Uh, stay dry. Uh, we'll try. All right. Coming up next, Leslie Wright with the Shelburne Museum Winter Lights exhibit. She's got tickets to give away. We'll talk with her in just a moment. But first, I got to tell you about Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington. It's Myers Wood Fired, 408 Shelburne Road. They are open from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily. They have got just fantastic bagels and, of course, the delicious cream cheeses. They smoke their own meats for unbelievable breakfast and lunch sandwiches. Very, very creative menu. They've got soups on the menu now and, and even drinks. Uh, you know, I'm still uh, this this um, Bloody Mary that they make. If you want a, you, a place for a Sunday brunch, head on down to 408 Shelburne Road and ask them for their signature surf and turf Bloody Mary. It's amazing. Got Montreal spice in it, Bloody Mary mix, and of course, uh, a little bit of uh, surf and a little bit of turf on it. Where else can you get it? But Myers Bagel Cafe, Myers Wood Fired, and if you've got brunches coming up for the holidays, order your bagels, get them to you, and have them there with all the delicious schmears, and they'll even mail them for you. That's right. They'll mail them anywhere in the country. Stop in today, 6 to 2, at Myers Wood Fired, 408 Shelburne Road, in Burlington. Coming up next, we've got tickets to Winter Lights at Shelburne Museum. Keep it right here. Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Quick reminder, listen to podcasts of this show and past shows at WDEVradio.com. My next guest this afternoon, the Director of Marketing and Communications with Shelburne Museum. Would you please welcome Leslie Wright. Welcome, Leslie, to Travels with Charlie. Charlie, it's great to be here. I'm such a huge fan of WDEV. And um, my fandom of Charlie goes way back to the Charlie and Ernie days. Oh boy! <laughs> well, thank you for your for listening all those years, Leslie. So this is uh, kind of interesting. You know, we're going to be doing a a conversation about something that people look at. So uh, it's sort of like you know describing fireworks, uh, and we're a lot of oohs and ahs. But uh, the Winter Lights exhibit, which is happening currently right now at Shelburne Museum. And for those of you that have seen it, uh, you know what we're talking about. For those of you that don't, we've got an opportunity. I've got two uh, VIP uh, family passes for, uh, for four uh, to give away this afternoon. Just call us at 877-291-8255 or 802-244-1777. So, Leslie, let's get right into it. Uh, how many lights are, and, and I don't know if you've counted them, but uh, you could say thousands, but I think there's more than that. That's a really good question. <laughs> In excess of probably 300,000 LED lights. Wow. And mm-hmm. do any of them ever, uh-oh, well, we've got one string that's out. we got to go in and replace that string. I don't know how you do that. 
Well, the modern LEDs are a lot better than remember the old days when you'd have to find that oh. light that went out that, that would throw everything off. Oh. You know? <laughs> now we're showing our age, Leslie. Kids today have no idea what we're talking about. Well, we I had to go. It. You had to take each bulb out. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to right. do that anymore. So let, let me ask you, as, as the rain is coming down today, and it looks like it's going to be a, a wet Christmas, not a, a, a white Christmas, how does the snow affect the exhibit. Mm. Well, it, it does make it a little brighter, but it is so bright that uh, you don't lose anything by not having snow on the ground. And frankly, <clears throat> most of the time, uh, it's there isn't snow on the ground because we start right after Thanksgiving, and it is so bright, and there's music, and yeah. and it's very festive with or without snow. Helen from Barry joining us on the phone line at one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Helen, you want to go to the show? Oh, I sure do. Have you been before? No. Well, uh, Leslie, what can you tell her? You know, a first time, or what should they do? How do you dress? What do you expect? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, those VIP tickets are good on any night, even if it says sold out. Um, and we do have quite a few sold-out nights, but those VIP tickets will get you in the door, no problem at all. Um, dress warmly. I mean, it's it's winter in Vermont. Yeah. Even on a so-called warmer night, there's usually a breeze on that ridge where Shelburne Museum is. So dress warmly. It's a walk-around event. Um, so be prepared to do a little walking, but the cafe is open, and you can get a hot chocolate or something uh, to warm up halfway through. But uh, it takes, I don't know, depends on how quickly you move, half hour, 45 minutes to, to stroll through the whole light show. And it starts at 5.30? Yep. Yep. It starts at 5 p.m. And with the VIP tickets, we sell tickets in blocks. So yep. with the VIPs, if you come at sort of 5.15, the 5 o'clock wave will have gone through. Come at 5, you know, instead of 5.30, when the 5.30 wave comes, if you come, you know what I mean, you can come gotcha. at 5.45. And you'll miss the big waves of the tickets. Well, Helen, Helen, doesn't that make you feel special? These are VIP tickets, not just oh, any wow. tickets. VIP. Wow. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the show. Now, would you like me to mail those to you, or you can pick them up here at WDEV, your choice? Um, I guess mail them to me. All right. Danny, would you get uh, Helen's information, and we'll pop that in the mail. Helen, thanks for listening to Travels with Charlie. Oh, well, thank you so much for the ticket. You're very welcome. Enjoy. And let's go to Norma in East Montpelier. She's listening this afternoon, and she wants to see the winter lights. Good afternoon to you, Norma. Good afternoon to you. Have you been Been to the show before? What's that? No, I've been to um, Infield, New Hampshire, and I've been to Sharon, Vermont, but never Shelburne. Well, we're going to get you there. These are VIP tickets, and as Leslie mentioned, just uh, you know, dress warmly, and you can go uh, you know any time after five o'clock, and they'll they'll get you right in. How about that? Okay. And I can pick them up. I'm a Waterbury girl. Oh, oh well, all right. Uh, you might want to wait uh, tomorrow. It's a little wet out there today. But, Norma, I'll have these at the front desk. Thank you for listening to Travels with Charlie. Merry Christmas to you. And, and thank you very much. You're very welcome. So uh, I have a special little boy I want to take. Oh, he's going to love it, isn't he, Leslie? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, kids love it. They just, they're just a wide-eyed yeah, the whole time. All right, Norma, they're right here at the front desk. Thanks for listening. Leslie, You're would right. you say that the, the, the Ticonderoga is probably the most 
impressive uh, display that's there. I mean, what they've done is basically it looks like it's in a sea of lights, you know, and it's and and you've added you've added some noises, some sound effects this year. Is that right? Yeah, the Ticonderoga, which is 220 feet long in its own natural basin, it's not on water, but it's in an uh, earthen basin, is lit up stem to stern. And yes, we, this year we added the sound of the boat moving through the water as it would have sounded when it was on Lake Champlain. Uh, it, it's really impressive. Wow. It, it's just the size of it. It's monumental. Oh, yeah. It's a, I think it's a, you could probably see it from, <laughs> you know, the moon, maybe. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and the show is going on right through January 6th. So you can see it. It's Thursdays through uh, Sundays. Is that right? Correct. And then we're open the holiday week, which is December 26th uh, through uh, the 31st. We are also open that right. with the holiday week. More inform- next week, I think. That's right. It? Yeah. Uh, more information yeah. at ShelburneMuseum.org. ShelburneMuseum.org. Leslie, so nice of you to join us today and to have the tickets for our listeners here on Travels with Charlie. Merry Christmas to you, and, and thanks for listening here at uh, WDEV. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I hope you can all get out and see this. All ages are just – it's great for everyone. It's a light, light time in a dark time of year, and, and uh, we hope that we can see you at Shelburne Museum for Winter Lights. All right. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to all of our listeners uh, over the last couple of years uh, for uh, you know putting up with Travel to Charlie, listening here. want to thank uh, my sponsors, of course, Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milton Travel, Myers Bagel Cafe. My theme song is written and performed by Billy Bratcher, my executive producer and friend, Brad Ferlin, running the board today, Danny McGivergan. Give it up for Danny McGivergan. I'm Charlie. I'll see you in my travels January 8th back for 2024. We're going to be talking about Cuba. And as I've done in the past, as uh, Leslie mentioned uh, in the old show with, uh, with Ernie and Lisa, we always ended our last show of the year with this song. And we're going to do the same thing again today. Have a Merry Christmas and goodbye. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over And a new one just begun And so this is Christmas I hope you have fun The near and the dear ones The So